Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop, which means this episode is about Formula One specifically. If you enjoy this content and want more F1, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore and subscribe on your favorite podcast channel. And we have just finished the Monaco Grand Prix earlier this morning. Also watched the Indy 500 today, too, for the first time, which was kind of fun. Uh, watched the end of it. Did you watch any of it, Lucas? I didn't. Um, I uh, The extent to which I knew anything that was happening was that Jimmy Johnson, the uh, the NASCAR driver, was racing in it. He was. But I did not get a chance to see it. I watched the, uh, the second division English playoff to see who was going to get into the Premier League instead at that time, which... Oh, good game, but did not catch the it was good. 500. Yeah, it was who, good. Who Nottingham got Forest. What's won. the team? Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest. Who's who's their Formula One equivalent? Um, would it just have to be Haas ooh, at this point? Let's think. No, 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 no. I know we got to connect it to the episode. Um, I'm trying to think. So they were like really good in the 70s. They won like two European championships oh. in the 70s, okay. but um, have not been in the Premier League since 1999. So I guess somebody who was like classically really good. But then fell off a little bit, and then is now like it could, back, like someone competing. I think it could be Aston Martin. I mean, I don't know that much about Formula One history, but Aston Martin, I think, was a brand like far mm-hmm. back. Yeah, and then it just came back right last year was their first year back in Formula One. Aston Martin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so they're, the, they're the Aston Martin of uh, that's probably what I would soccer. Say, yeah. I like it. But yeah, what what do you think of the five hundred today? Your first time ever watching? Actually, it was pretty entertaining. Like it is an oval track, but there's there's a lot of overtaking, and they pit a lot too. Like they pit like every yeah. like twenty laps. It was kind of crazy. So that was fun. It was pretty fun. Different yeah. types. Who ended up winning? Uh, Marcus Ericsson. Gotcha. Okay. I think is his name. Swedish, Swedish nice. or Swiss? One of the two. I'm sorry, Marcus, if you're out there. Very cool. um, yeah, I remember Crofty was talking about it like during the race. I think, yeah, about uh, during during Monaco this morning. But that's yeah. kind of what tipped me off to it. So mm-hmm. yeah, nice. But we are we are going to talk about Formula One here. Um, we're going to start off here. Does we're going to ask? Does Red Bull give you wings or does it clip your wings? In this in this uh, instance, the championship just got a little more interesting, obviously, because Checo just won the Monaco Grand Prix. But we actually first thought about this during the Spanish Grand Prix when Martin Brundle made a pretty interesting comment saying that if you're interested, basically, like, if you're interested in winning races, you never want your teammate to think that you're a good teammate because that means you're letting him by, <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I kind of wanted to examine this a little bit. And my, my take on this is, is specific to Red Bull is I think Red Bull know that Max does not have the personality to handle a teammate that is also winning races. And that's why they're so adamant about team orders. Cause like you hear Max on the radio, he's yelling at his race engineers when stuff doesn't work. He's cussing them out. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Sure. He might get mad, but he's not swearing at them. Charles today got very mad. He did cuss at them a little bit, but mm-hmm. he can, you can tell by their demeanors that they can handle another teammate. I mean, like look at Carlos and, um, and Charles aren't necessarily on the, the same plane this year. But they can handle that dynamic. I also think Lewis and George can, from what we've seen too. Mm-hmm. But Max is so impulsive that, like, you can even see in the race, he gave a really short answer in the post-race interview when they're like, "Are you happy for Checo?" Essentially, he was like, "Yeah, happy for Checo," and like that was that was pretty much mm-hmm. it, basically. Yeah. We saw we already have evidence with with his relationship with Danny Rick. Like they were crashing. It was pretty tumultuous, at least from 
you know, a drive to survive lens, not somebody <laughs> that was viewing it live in 2017, 2018. But mm-hmm. this is also the same thing that Red Bull had with Mark Webber and Sebastian Vettel. Their really tumultuous relationship when they were winning those titles back in the early 2010s. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this has something to do with the way the drivers are brought up in the Red Bull Academy or something. Maybe they're just promised the moon and that's what they want. Mm-hmm. But just because Checo is not as good as Max does not mean Checo is incapable of winning a world championship. And that chance should not be taken away from him. Like we saw it with Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton, for example. Really tumultuous relationship, and I know Red Bull don't want that, but Lewis was better. But that didn't mean Nico was incapable of winning a title. And the only reason we found that out is because Mercedes gave him that opportunity. So that's, mm-hmm. I mean, and this isn't this isn't rocket science, like this isn't anything earth shattering, but I think essentially it comes down to Red Bull know that Max does not have the personality to handle a teammate that is challenging him for race wins, and they don't want that dynamic in their team. I don't know. I think maybe, I think you're maybe giving a little bit too much of goodwill towards Red Bull's role in this. Like, I feel okay. like the way you're presenting a little bit is like, oh, like, that's just the way Max is, and Red Bull has to deal with it. I think Christian Horner takes a very active role in liking Max better and preferring Max. Like, I think you can even tell in, like, every little clip you hear with him. Like, the way he talks about Max is much more favorable than the way he ever talks about Checo. Um, it seems like... I mean, you saw last week at Spain, like, with the team orders. Checo had run a better race all race. Mm-hmm. He was ahead of Max. Max had or yeah max had spun out or was it the wind was that the the wind is a gust of wind it was a gust but, of but wind. but when carlos Stained. when carlos spun out though it was like it was like a rookie mistake or whatever they said something like that <laughs> exactly so so you know different standards <laughs> um but no i mean like when that happened like check out another better race but like i think horner i think sorry i think max is just horner's guy and like he prefers him and so i think that's why they've set it up with the max like number one check on number two like it's it's his guys because he literally just likes max better or like because we're not necessarily i think we might not necessarily be saying different things i think it's because he likes max better i think that's at least part of it i mean i to some extent yes max won the world championship last year like he i think he is like objectively a a better driver but like you said with like i think Checo could win a world driver's title like if it came down to it. he's only 15 points behind max at this point that's like it's a one race swing away from winning the title right um and i think that despite that they choose to favor max over and over again and i think it's because some degree of personal preference like like i think i think max has always just been horner's golden boy he's like he's gonna be the youngest driver to ever win the world driver's championship he always okay. like i think just the way he's talked about him like for years and years and like whoever's in that two spot is just i think somewhat expendable like and you've seen that too it's like there was gasly and albin and like all the trading back and forth but max is the one constant and i think things are made to revolve around max and maybe that is like you said partly because of his personality and his inability to like have a competitive teammate but i think part of it is also just like they like max better i mean it, it could be i don't think it's like that simple though that i think christian horner cares about winning more than how much he likes the driver i think he likes i think from what i've seen he likes checo but he thinks but he see this is what they see is max is our best chance and therefore our only chance to win the driver's championship when it doesn't have yeah. to be that way is my thing they're not taking points off of each other by letting them race you know, like they didn't even need to let, like he didn't need to let Max through. They were, they were going to pass 
I think it was it Russell that was ahead of them, and or maybe Perez was leading even in the Spanish Grand Prix when they let him through. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was either. I think they were. I think it was when they were P two P three at that point. Okay, but and like Russell's they weren't going to lose P2. anything by. I, I didn't think they were going to lose anything. They were clearly the fastest car on the grid, and they just would need to get past Russell. And if his DRS was working, they obviously did. Like both drivers mm-hmm. did, right? When the DRS was yeah. wor- DRS was working, so. I just don't think team, teammate dynamics need to be this way. This is the only sport that functions this way where your teammate is basically mm-hmm. against you. Like, if this is true where you never want your teammate to think you're a good teammate, then in reality there's 20 teams that occasionally collude, basically. Yeah, and it's, stu- I mean, it's I stupid. That, I think it's kind of stupid. I don't know. I think so. I mean, this has been, like, obviously, like, we're both Formula fans of the last two years, so not to, like, I don't know, get under the skin of, like, Formula 1 purists. But I've never, <laughs> like, like, it's, like, it's never seemed to me like a team sport. It's like, it's a team in the sense that the same people make your cars, but at like the end of exactly. the day, it's like, I don't know. Everybody's essentially out for themselves. And like, I mean, sometimes they'll do team orders and stuff like that, but it's weird that like, yeah, your own personal performance has to suffer for your teammate. Like you said, that's not the case in any other sport. Yeah, that's makes like no sense. a frustrating dynamic of, I think the sport itself. Yeah. The fact that the best person on a day might not win because the team doesn't want them to is like pretty like anti-competitive exactly and you can see like they don't even nobody really cares about the constructors championship like mercedes won the constructors championship they were all super sad at the end of last year and red bull was celebrating red bull you know they were throwing the parties and stuff and we're gonna Mm -hmm. buy latifi around or lifetime supply red bull and stuff because Uh they won the driver's championship they didn't care about second place in the constructors exactly so I don't even know like why is why is it even a thing, especially with the cost cap now, like in mm-hmm. the financial award being one of the things. I don't even really know why, why it's a thing. Do you think yeah, so? Do you think like people would have less problems with team orders? Or well, okay. So you think team orders would go away? Let's say if it was like this, if they thought about it more of like twenty distinct teams, or like maybe no constructors championship. Like, do you think that would be a better way to run the sport in terms of? not getting on people's yeah. nerves in terms of team orders and stuff. I don't know. Well, because, I mean, it's been a while since I've watched NASCAR. I'll I'll admit that. It's been 12 to 15 years since I've like consistently followed NASCAR. But from what I remember of it, there are teams in NASCAR. They have the same people who make the cars. Um, they're, like, all under the same umbrella. They're, like, Hendrick and Roush and, like, all those, like, different teams. But there was never any time in which somebody was told to let someone else pass. Like, your team was in the sense that, like, you were all under the same umbrella, your car was all made by the same person, there were certain, like, shared trainings and testings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, like, you were on your own. Everybody had their, like, in NASCAR, every driver has their own crew chief versus in F1, the team principal controls both racers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think that's a more interesting model for mm. a racing sport in terms of like team breakdown and team orders. Because then, I mean, it is then essentially every driver out for themselves. And then and team then orders te- would not exist. There'd be no reason. Team orders would not exist. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. That needs to be, that needs to be looked at or just, I, under, I understand where teams are coming from when they do it. But mm. as a fan of maybe coming from American sports, it doesn't sit well. Mm. Well, and I think one of the things too is like, Team orders, I like you said, I get sometimes. It's like if like somebody is on new tires and like has a better chance of catching the leader, then then I get that, and they're lapping like way quicker than the person in front of them. Mm-hmm. But in the, like the Spain scenario with Red Bull, like it just, 
I don't like that because then it's not at all about making the drivers on your team more competitive. It's about making one driver on your team more competitive. Right. Like there was no strategic advantage to like letting Max pass Checo other than they want to max ahead of Checo. Right. And the, and the thing is too is yes, Max was lapping faster, but that's cuz mm-hmm. Checo was say in the Spanish Grand Prix cuz Checo was saving tires. So it's like, okay, you're telling me to save tires, mm-hmm. but now you're telling me Max is faster behind me. It's because yeah. you're telling me to save tires. So I mean like Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you put him on a two stop. You put him on a two stop, so he had to. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Instead yeah, of the no, three stop that everybody else did. Yeah, and maybe part of this is like I really like Checo. I want to see Checo do well and like yeah. all that too. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so we'll see about that um, going forward. It's it makes it really interesting. And like I said, Max is better than Checo, but that doesn't mean Checo can't win a world title. And you, yeah. you, I think they need to give him that opportunity. He's 15 points back now at this point. Yeah, he's so close. Like I said, it's like a one-race swing. Like exactly. That, like, so easily could, like, just shift. Exactly. But. And they have, like, I mean, they don't have a healthy lead, but they have the best car right now, too. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the, yeah. the the leverage and benefit that Mercedes had in the Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton days is they weren't really mm-hmm. under threat that much from another team. Yeah, the threat was, else. like, within their team. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Keeping the train on Red Bull, though, um, Max Verstappen on Saturday was quite irritated by Sergio Perez's qualifying crash because it red flagged the session and ended the qualifying and ended, ended qualifying. So nobody else could put any more laps. Max thought he was on a lap that would get him onto the front row, not for pole necessarily, but he said in the end, referring to Sergio Perez's crash in the end, you don't get a penalty for that. So if you know, you have a good first run, then you can think, oh, well, you know what? I'll park it and tactically send it into the wall. You could do that. And this prompted renewed discussion from other people around a theoretical rule where a driver that causes a red flag gets their lap time deleted in that session. So they would start, like, let's say they were on pole and they crashed, they would start Q- mm-hmm. uh, P10 because they didn't, and, and it basically set a lap. Other yeah. categories like IndyCar use a similar rule. Lucas, what do you think of this in Formula 1? I hate it. You hate it? I hate it. I really don't Okay, like it I thought you were going to say yeah. No, 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 I hate it. Okay. Um, I get the inclination. I absolutely do. Like, I understand where Max is coming from, even if I think this week it's a bit of just, like, sour grapes on his part and, like, complaining about it. But I do yeah. get the inclination because of the strategy, like, that you said it creates. Like, you could just, like, put in a great time and then crash and in a way. And then it red flags the session. Nobody else can put it in as good of a time and then it's over. So I get I get, I get it. But I hate it. Um <laughs> I think just because somebody can purposefully crash and do that strategy does not mean that every single time you crash, it's purposeful. Like, I think that's, like, extending it way too far outwards in terms of, like, there's so many issues with crashing the car you have to fix. You have to pay money to do it. I don't think it's worth it as a strategy necessarily to, like, put in a quick time and crash. And I think it would unfairly punish drivers who just put in a good lap and then just make a mistake. Like, I'd say more often than not, crashes are the result of, like, small little mistakes that happen and you spin out and the session gets red flagged. Like, it happens most qualifying sessions, I feel like. Or there's at least, like, a crash that yellow flags it or something like that. So I think it's just, like, it unfairly punishes drivers who slip up and is an overcorrection from something that is not even that big of an issue to start with. Like, how many scenarios are there, I feel like, where it's, like, somebody puts in a really good lap and then red flags the session? I I think that's probably, like, such a minimal occurrence like overcorrecting to punish anybody who ever does that um, is not a punishment that fits the crime. What do you think? Okay, well, so if I were to play the other side, though, mm-hmm. I would say um, don't make the leap to 
they're cra- they're deliberately crashing, but they are pushing harder than they should. Like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. If you want to push the limits of the car, you now have skin in the game with this red flag rule. And there's a risk where there's no risk mm-hmm. if you can red flag the session. You're like, you know what? I was pushing really hard, but yeah. I knew I could because if I crashed, then nobody else could beat me either. And I think yeah. it's a fair balance for, all right, if you want to push this car to the limits, mm-hmm. you're going to lose something too if you don't get it right. And I think it's more risk and reward for going for that last that last qualifying lap and really trying to push that limits for that last tenth, that last hundredth, whatever it is. Otherwise, it's just a video game lap, and you're like, all right, cool, I just crashed against the wall. I'll just, you know, zigzag around, which is what I did in Monaco time trials, and it's freaking hard track. <laughs> no, but I also think it's like you do want drivers to push it to the limit. Like, obviously, you don't want them yeah. doing no, like you're chaotic right. stuff but like, like and, like, crashing and stuff. But, you, like, what you do want is, like, your driver's racing as hard as possible. And if you, like, have to restrain them in some way in qualifying, that's, like, not as good of a product. And we talk about all the time, like, sports are, at the end of the day, like, a product, and you want to make it as interesting to watch as possible. And if you're forcing drivers to not drive as quickly as they could, then I think that's something that hurts the sport. Okay, but is it a better product, though, if that person that is pushing for that lap and red flags it is likely faster, a lot of times, faster than cars is going to start behind? That makes for a better product, too, does it not? Sure, I'll concede that. But. <laughs> no, I, Still. I, I, I definitely incline to to go on the no side as well. But I, I wanted to prepare mm-hmm. some notes for the other side, uh, mm-hmm. for the sake of discussion because I do see it as well. But I agree. I want the drivers to be pushing it around the track, and yeah, I want to see like what they can do. Like, do you enjoy the shots of Monaco where the drivers are just barely leaving enough room, like you know, an index card amount of room between them and the barrier? Mm-hmm. Like, that's awesome. I love seeing that. It's so and cool, now you yeah. want to continue to see that, and they and even then they do it on lap on uh, race laps, not even qualifying laps. It's so impressive, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, like you said, there's more there's strategy right now into all right. You're going for your last runs of qualifying. You can you can be the first driver and guaranteed to get your lap in, or you can take the risk of being the last driver when the track is the most rubbered in, the best mm-hmm. conditions, and then that's when you see like last driver to cross the line. Oh, they just got pulled. Because, you know, the, the track's yeah. rubbered in. And then if you mm-hmm. get rid of that red, if you do that red flag rule, then there's, like, not as risk. There's not that risk, you know, in terms of when do you send yourself out in qualifying. So it's yeah. going to take away something, Absolutely. you know. Mm-hmm. No, I totally it's going to take away like, again. somewhere. Yeah, but I feel like at the end of the day, like I said, too, I think, like, I get the inclination on it all. But I think, like, this was just a lot of sour grapes for Max. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely too. was. I'm like... And, like, I mean, getting back to what we said before, I just think it's hard for him to see his teammate outperform him. And it is. Checo was just better all weekend at Monaco. And, and Checo, he's brought his qualifying deficit. I mean, he's already out-qualified Max twice now, right? Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia got pole, and then this race. I don't believe it's happened anywhere else. So he's already done that. And he his qualifying, his average qualifying, qualifying deficit, I don't have the concrete numbers, but I guarantee you it's, it's much closer than it was last year. Oh, he's absolutely. He's much closer this year. Mm-hmm. Yes, we'll see. Maybe I'll close the deficit even more. Yeah, that would be that'd be super entertaining. I would love to see. I mean, I want Ch- like I want Chaco to do well as well, but I, I I wouldn't mind a little bit of fireworks in between. I was hoping I thought we would see fireworks more between Hamilton and Russell, and maybe we will. But their car's mm-hmm. just not really good enough for that to happen yet. Yeah, it's like it's hard to like have a dynamic like or like a dynamic chase between teammates if like they're finishing like p5 and p7 exactly. like i don't know like exactly it, it could be worse but could be and better. they said they said that at the start of the season they're like i have no interest in fighting george for p5 mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna fight him for wins you know yeah exactly so well 
Speaking of a driver who is fighting for wins but still has yet to snag one, <sighs> Carlos Sainz, Jared's driver of choice. We give some updates on him every time we do a pit stop episode, and we're going to do it again right now. So what are your takeaways from Carlos Sainz's performance at Monaco this week, Jared? I refuse to believe that Carlos is just a P2 driver. He's got many wins in him, I think. So one thing, mm-hmm. one of my takeaways from this race is I think he does a really good job of understanding the race from a macro level. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't find the particular race where he does this, but he tells his pit wall off when they're making a bad strategy move. And a lot of times he seems to be right. Like, obviously in this case, he was he was mostly right. Like, he told his pit wall, like, no, don't put me on inters. At this point, we should just go straight to dries. And that mm-hmm. would have worked according to him if, if not for a back marker, which I believe was Latifi uh, in this instance, and that he would have put in a quick enough in-lap. Uh, to get that to um, get in front of Checo when they pitted again, but mm-hmm. he got it much more right than Charles did, obviously, who had an yeah. absolute disaster with their pit st- strategy. Um, like mm-hmm. I said, I remember he did this one once last year, but I couldn't find the exact race. And I mean, if we're really looking at it, like you can say, like Leclerc is mopping the floor with signs or whatever right now. Like I get it that Leclerc has won every qualifying session, but the gap is only like two tenths. It's it's not like a Red Bull a second seat Red Bull driver where it was like almost a second or like seven tenths. You know what I mean? It's really mm-hmm. close, and yeah. I know that is going to be the difference. You know between winning a race, and he is going to need to find those tenths. But I, I I still believe that he can, and he has shown us he can do that. You know, like will it happen? Maybe it won't, but I still believe in him. I mean, even then he was right on Sergio's gearbox in the early stages of the race. Um, when he was in second and they were in first and then he spun, he almost spun out. That was like really crucial to preserving his race weekend and getting points. Otherwise the narrative would have really shifted. If he would, if he mm-hmm. would not have saved that spin, he'd be like, Carlos is feeling the pressure. You know, you know, he can't bring the car home, that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So I think that was really helpful for his narrative. And I, and yeah, he understands exactly. that he, that he wants to be winning races. Like you could see how unhappy he was that he got P2, which two years ago at McLaren, he'd be like, Oh yeah, this is awesome. You know what I mean? But now he's like, I'm trying to win races out here. Yeah, I think he's improving, is all I'm saying. What do you think, Lucas? I think he is, too. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think I disagree with anything you said. But I think, I wonder, too, if, like, the pressure is going to boil over a little bit at some point. Like, and I have no reason to think that. I mean, I guess I do at some point. He's, like, he's had some mistakes earlier this season when he was under pressure. But, like... I would imagine for him it gets even more and more frustrating every single week for him yeah, to no, just like true. come up short in different ways, whether it be this week to like to Checo or to like Charles most weeks, or like I mean he's P five in the driver standings at this point. He's still yeah. behind well, George Russell. What's because of two DNFs though? Yeah, DNFs so still count. Let's say okay, they still count. <laughs> he would be like he'd probably be like he'd be fourth at least, maybe third without those DNFs. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe, I mean, the, but, the, I mean, we can never the know. One wasn't, like, the MLA one wasn't even really his fault. That was Dan, that was Danny Rick's fault. The Australia yeah. one was his fault, though. He just kind of mm-hmm. beached it. But, but no, I mean, like, I do think he's getting better, and I think the race one will come. I just really hope that the pressure doesn't start crumbling in even more than it even has than it already has on him at this point. Yeah, yeah. We don't want him to be yeah. a Bottas. We want him to be a a Nico Rosberg. Rosberg. A lot of Nico Rosberg references on this. Episode. I don't know why. I I got that I got that <laughs> reference stuck in my head from a YouTube video uh, from Aldas, uh-huh. who's a good YouTuber, and I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good analogy. 
Yeah, so I think it's a very good one. Yeah. For like the number two, that is really good, but not as good as like an all-time great that they're up against, which Leclerc mm-hmm. probably is. I think. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I hope he can pull out at least one driver's championship. Maybe this year, maybe next year. Yeah, he's been getting screwed over a lot of points right now. So, yeah, by by the team, in both races Mm -hmm. now, two races in a row. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it is early in the season still, but there's already been a lot of talks that some drivers may lose their seat at the end of the season, even as early as mid-season. And so, Lucas, we're and some drivers, you know, are definitely like we said, feeling some pressure. Who do you think are three drivers that are? Why don't you give me three drivers, rather, that you think are most likely to lose their seat based on their performance at this point? All right. So I think most likely is definitely Latifi. Um, I think he's just put in, like, brutal performance after brutal performance this season. Um, And I know the Williams car is bad. There's, like, no secret about that. And he's, like, he's kept the car in races. But even though he's kept the car in races, he's just been, like, outperformed by his teammate at pretty much every stage. Um, he scored zero points this year. He's one of two drivers to not score any points yet this year, and I'll mention the other one um, in a second. Um, well, his teammate has scored three. Um, he's been beaten by Albin in five of the seven races, um, and Albin had to retire at Monaco this morning. So, like, I don't... I guess if you count that it's finishing better, but I don't know how much you would actually count it. And, like, I think it was just all really just summed up in a nice, nice perfect bow. We're on that first lap. Um... He um, just slipped in his car coming out, and it's just like he just can never do it, I feel like. And, like, I feel bad to some extent, but I just feel like he struggles so much. And, like, every qualifying, he's at the bottom. And, like, every race, he ends up being beat by Alex Albin for the most part. So I just think, like, he's struggling. There are better people that can take his place, and he should be worried for his seat. Um, Second, I don't know if second most likely, but maybe second most deserving based on run of performance is maybe Mick Schumacher. Um, who's the only other driver to score zero points this year. I'm rooting for Mick, and I know a lot of other people are also rooting for Mick. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But I think a lot of his faults as a driver were really papered over last year by the fact that uh, he was racing with the worst driver in F1 on his team, Mazepin, (laughs) and the Haas was so, 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 so bad last year. Um, But this year, the Haas is capable of scoring points. We've seen K-Mag do it. Um, he put in P5 at Bahrain um, and his other two more points finishes this season Mick though has failed to score points he's crashed in quali he's crashed in races multiple times Monaco today fresh in the memory but then his crash with Vettel at Miami I think probably took him out of the points there as well he just seems to be really underachieving in the car and while I think I don't think he'll be replaced probably at the end of this year just because of the pedigree of his family and the what that brings to Haas and the team, I think he might be second most deserving in terms of maybe losing his seat at the end of the year or midseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the last one is the the one that's been in the news, and it is uh, Daniel Ricciardo. So uh, Zach Brown, McLaren team president himself, said that Danny Rick is not living up to expectations of the team and that their options uh, for the contract at McLaren, which finishes at the end of the 2023 season, to be terminated early. Um, and I think it's pretty easy to see why that might be the case. Um, he's pretty clearly inferior to his teammate Lando Norris. It was yeah. obvious last year, despite the fact that Danny Rick won at Monza when Lando was P2. But it's even more apparent this season. Since Bahrain, Lando has finished in the points every race he's finished in, um, while Danny Rick has only done so uh, at Australia. That's the only race since Bahrain where he's finished in the points. 
uh, which is his home course. He's really struggled with a car that can be competitive. Like, Lando has a podium this season. Um, and I think especially because, in the same way, like I mentioned earlier, Horner, I think, really favors Max. Uh, I think Zach Brown really likes Lando and is less enthusiastic about Danny Rick. And for that reason, I think it's pretty pretty clear that his seat might be in jeopardy. Dang, you think all this stuff is so personal. I don't think it's personal. I don't think it's like he doesn't dislikes Daniel. I think he loves Daniel probably. As a person. I don't know. I feel like again, Drive to Survive is not the most accurate. I'm aware, but like <laughs> he's always just like palling around with Lando. He and is palling. He does pal with Danny. It's like his kid. Danny like seems his, more like professional. Exactly. That's what it feels <laughs> like. So I don't know. I think a lot of things just in the world come down to people's relationships with one another. Yeah. I think we're not as logical as we seem, and I think that that definitely plays into it. In this case, I mean, that's I think. True. I mean, I think the the more important part is that he's been bad this year. But like, I think like his rope is probably a little bit shorter. Yeah. I don't know why Zach Brown would put that on the open though. That like, yeah, there's mechanism yeah. in the contract. Like, Daniel Ricciardo needs some confidence right now, and that's not gonna give him confidence. So I don't know mm-hmm. if I really understand why. I get like sometimes you need to publicly challenge your players or your drivers in this case, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't know what happened since he left Red Bull. He he never should have left Red Bull. If he would have just stayed no, there, he never should have. He might have been. He might be a world champion right now. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's no, car I philosophy. Totally it's way beyond my expertise. But yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think he just wanted to like go out on his own and do his own thing and not be competing with Max. And I think that is just like completely and totally backfired. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I had the same people, but I also had one other. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback back off him and like again recognizing that all these drivers would literally drive circles around most, like literally would drive circles around most. <laughs> most. They're yeah. extremely talented. And, like, Latifi, for example, like, he's got to live out his dream. Like, I'm not... Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't want to, like... You know, you can't be in Formula <laughs> and strip that from him. But, yeah, he just yeah. crashes too much. Like, at some point, a cost cap era. Same with Mick. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to bring the car home if you're yeah. going to be a Formula 1 driver. And, like... Also, at this point, like you alluded to, it's a matter of, like, holding up a seat for, like, somebody that's more deserving and, mm-hmm. like, has been scrapping to get their Formula 1 seat and is potentially yeah. more talented, like... We probably shouldn't hold them up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I'll give you a kind of a shocker, though, that even though his teammate has outscored him, I don't think this driver's seat is in jeopardy because of performance, but just because of, mm-hmm. like, contract realities, is I think Pierre... Mm-hmm. I'm worried about Pierre Gasly. Because we, like, yeah. we've been banging our fist on the table for Gasly to get a drive. I like a team that could actually put together a championship-winning car, which AlphaTauri mm-hmm. will never be that team. As long as they have that relationship with Red Bull, I don't think they'll ever be that team. But I wonder, like, what would Red Bull want him? Like, what do they want from him if Checo is racing so well? He's a great, he is a Mm -hmm. great teammate, (laughs) objectively, I would say. There's really not a better driver to have in the second seat right now. And like I said, I don't think they want another championship winner in their second seat. I don't think they even want that, to be honest, for some reason. Mm -hmm. So Gasly, like, probably wouldn't want to stick with Red Bull anyway. The McLaren seat, like you said, may open up. Maybe even mm-hmm. Alpine, depending on how long Al- Alonso wants to race, as yeah. well as Aston Martin with Vettel. Mm-hmm. Which those teams, like, well, Alpine's been like decent this year. Um, Aston yeah, Martin's so, not yeah. really been that good this year, but like they could potentially turn it around. They have the resources to mm-hmm. turn it around still. Um, I think Gasly, like I said, he deserves a top drive, and I think he might. Mm-hmm. I think he might lose that AlphaTauri seat, and they might give it to like a younger Red Bull driver. And he's been, no, it's I not could... because of performance. Like, he's been unlucky this year with reliability, crashes, 
other people's crashes mm-hmm. affecting his weekend, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. that, that I think like 12, 13, 14, 11, 12, 13, Gasly, Vettel, and Alonso, they've been driving way better than their points show right now. Um, yeah. But I'm curious to see what, what's going to happen with the Pierre Gasly situation because he's been a little bit anonymous this season, but he's still very yeah, good. Yes. No, I think so too. I think he's just like, he's just like sort of like been a non-entity this year in my mind. Yeah, like he just he like, been. he hasn't done anything crazy. So yeah, but no, I think the contract reality and like what Red Bull wants for him makes it so he's probably going to be out of that seat soon. I would not be shocked at all if I think the Aston Martin seat is probably the most likely for me in my mind. Cause I think Vettel's almost certainly gone at the end of this year you think? and he would slide it nicely there. Yeah. 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 I think Gasly's contract is up this year if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Looking it up. Yeah. Hold on, I'm trying to find it too. <laughs> yeah. Contract runs until the end of this year. Cool. Yeah, so I think that like he's probably out. Like they have no reason to keep him around given what his like role is within the Red Bull like hierarchy of system. I mean and that that raises a point of like as long as Max is there and he's still young, do you even want to be a part of the Red Bull driver economy? <laughs> No. I don't know if you even what, want he's 24. Right like he's going to be there for years. Yeah. Like there's no way. Like th- like that seat is locked down for probably the better part of the next decade. Right. So like I don't know. I don't know either. That's kind of we just kind of led into our little flying lap here. This is just room for any additional quick takes we have about the weekend, anything in Formula mm-hmm. 1, maybe a lunch pail driver of the week. Go ahead Lucas, you got some give us some sectors, some turns Oh my I am taking the, my whole lap and just spending it on my lunch pail driver of the week. I Let's did it go. last time we did it. Alex Albin was the uh, the initial or the inaugural, the inaugural lunch field driver of the week, and this week we're handing out a second time, and it's going to Checo Perez. There he's gotten go. some love already on this episode, but he's a true unheralded hero. He put in such a gritty performance this week, came back from crashing in quality, perfectly executed the race strategy, held off signs for a ton of laps at the end, and won the race. And all this coming a week after he was told to let Max pass him when he would run a better race. We've mentioned that earlier in the episode. Um, and I said, I put it in my notes again, I think it's clear if Warner favors Max for whatever reason that is, but there's nothing more lunch pail than, you know, sticking it to the man by showing <laughs> him how good you can really be. That's um, so funny. Winning a race. Oh my God. And so for that <laughs> reason, be a quote check on Instagram. Pro- follow us on Instagram Perfect. at lunch pill guys. Under- <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yes. It'll be up there. And for that reason, Checo is the lunch pill driver of the week. That's what are your, uh, your flying lap. Uh, You've takes. been spot on on the lunch pill guys, lunch pill drivers of the week. That was, that was spot on. Um, okay, thank you. I appreciate it. I didn't have one. I didn't have anything like that. I felt super strongly about. So I'm glad you had one. My two things mm-hmm. were, I I swear, like Fernando or Fernando Alonso. I'm pretty sure like hates Lewis Hamilton. He was just was backing yeah. up for no reason. It seemed like he yep. like they backed him up. They had like a 30 40 second gap to the next person in front, and then all of a sudden he's <laughs> like, all right, I'm just gonna race now, and drops him. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he was just making Lewis's no, just... life miserable. I don't know. I think he doesn't. I think he from the quotes I've seen. Alonzo say before and obviously they were teammates back in 07 on McLaren mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he just hates Lewis yeah I think so too there must be bad blood from the time of McLaren yeah and I think probably there's also something of like like Lewis took away years of his prime where like oh. he could be winning driver's titles as well like he was a main competitor so I don't know maybe there's something with that too but could I be. don't know that's interesting my other thing too was I think uh or Crofty and Martin Brundle were like really grumpy this broadcast, and they took every <laughs> shot they could because Monaco um, has their own camera crew that like produces the 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 race weekend essentially, and like mm-hmm. does the coverage. And they they found like any 
any opportunity they could be like, I wish we could see this or whatever, or like the mm-hmm. camera crew didn't catch this. I don't know. They they seem and they were grumpy with like race control and all that stuff. And I was like, I don't know. They they showed a couple sh- shots of the street, and I was like, it's pouring down rain. Like, this is not mm-hmm. like a ra- a purpose made racetrack. There's so much water on the track. The red flag was yeah. fine. And then also eventually came out that they had like a power outage or something. That's why they didn't. They had to do the rolling start or something. They were just really grumpy. I, I thought it was funny, but they were just really grumpy. I thought this, so too. This, this episode <laughs> or this uh, race yeah. rather. But yeah, no. It was interesting, too. It was funny. Um, But with that, I think we're going to wrap it up for the week. Uh, Thanks for listening to Pit Stop. We do these every so often. We love when you listen. Make sure you're listening to this uh, show, our main show, which comes out twice a week, and uh, No Days Off, which is Wyatt's show about the NFL. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed to listen on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and rating us five stars. We really love it. We really appreciate it, and we love it when you share our show. So make sure to share it with a friend. Um, and we'll see you next week. Bye.